Patriots podcast, everybody. Sal Sante here. Got a good friend of mine, new guest, Scott Brenham. Nice to have you on, man. Uh, yes, yeah, Sal. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Now we, we spoke a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, man. Been a been a couple of weeks. I've been looking forward to been you know just thinking about it every day in my mind. Like I can't wait to to get this guy on. Hear what he's got to say. Yeah, my my life's been a shit show. So uh, welcome to. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people can make that claim over the past couple of years with this COVID crap, man. So, yeah, I, I mean, your COVID. story, your story is going to be, uh, I think, a little extra. Yeah, I, that that's a good way to sum it up. Extra, yeah. <laughs> a little extra. So, why don't we get to start a minute? Where, where are you from originally? Where were you? Uh, where were you raised up? Uh, so I was born and uh, born and raised in Boone County, West Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. a small town. Uh, it's called Warden. Uh, okay. Like if I if I tell people like I've lived all over the world, uh, Japan, California, North Carolina, Virginia, mm-hmm. um, and like everywhere I go, people are like, you know, where are you from? And it's yeah, I just normally say Charleston. Fair <laughs> it's enough. Like, that's like the only place that people can actually recognize. But um, yeah, if you've ever seen the the wild and wonderful whites, West Virginia, it's like right in that area. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. The only part of West Virginia that I've really had experience with, I went out to two actually two road trips out and I went through the area where you're going to the New River Gorge. So yeah. passing through passing through there both ways there and back. So that's been really my only taste of West Virginia and it's beautiful out there, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of ugly parts, too. I was going to say there's definitely the parts that they don't want you to see. Yeah, a lot of. I mean, half the people I went to school with, man, are either struck out on drugs or um, still still working in the coal mines. And right. but I mean, there's nothing wrong with working in the coal mines. Uh, a lot of good people do it. Uh, just you know, it, it seems to be like you either working in the coal mines or you moved away. Right. Yeah. So you're you're kind of bound to it by the uh, by the state almost. That's their that's their production. Right. Yeah, yeah we, you don't we have drove past those black piles before, man. It was like, oh no, that's definitely coal. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, a lot of my friends, uh, I mean, that I grew up with, they they got into it. They they make really good money, um, but they they get hurt, get strung out on pain pills, and right. then it's downhill from there. Well, most of those jobs are are union, no? Uh, not most. No, there's really um, no. They're kind of getting away from union, uh, from what I. I've been told anyways. Yeah, it's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Much cheaper. They pay those guys uh less if they're part of the union too. Wow. Yeah, well they're getting benefits, so they get they kinda they get they get to make the argument of the trade off, right? I I don't know exactly how it works. I've never been a part of a union, but um yeah. I, from what I understand, yeah, it's uh you know, they, they get a little job security there. Right. A little job security, maybe a little health, health insurance, whatnot. You get a little bump, but other than that, your pay is a little lower Yeah, in general. So how did you get, uh, how quickly did you get out of West Virginia? Did so I can't like, I was in a relationship with a girl when I graduated high school and, 
I wanted to join the military out of high school, but she was all against that. And when that relationship fell apart, I, I started school. I was going to school at West Virginia Tech uh, for electrical engineering. Okay. And I was not doing well. That only had like, you know, girls and, and weed on my mind. That was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um, I mean, I even took out a student loan and uh, that's how I got my, uh, I was selling marijuana in West Virginia. That's how I got my business started. I took out a student loan and bought a pound of weed with it. Um, but that's good. That's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. I make good money though. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I always had an entrepreneurial mindset, but, uh, <laughs> you know, once, once her and I, um, was no longer, uh, she was no longer in my way to join yeah. the military. That was your first thought was I'm going. Yeah. I, honestly, um, the, the same recruiter that had came to the high school, uh, I called him up on Facebook messenger. Cause he was a, he was a Facebook friend mm-hmm. and I was like, Hey man, when can I leave? <laughs> and he's like, that's not how it works. Like you got to take that as bad. You got to, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, I'm ready to go now. Um, and I left like, uh, three weeks later. When is that? So put us in a year kind of when, when was that? when did you graduate high school? So I graduated high school in, uh, 2008. Okay. Gotcha. So I went to tech, uh, fall of 2008. Um, I was there until spring of 2010. Okay. And then that's when you made your ship. Yeah. So I shipped in, uh, March of 2010. That's when I went to Paris Island for Marine Corps boot camp. Okay. And so how was that? Oh my God. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's a lot of what, you know, you hear, uh, it's a lot of, okay. uh, a lot of your privileges are stripped from you. So you're, you're not even allowed to say, um, the word I, you can't even, you have to talk about yourself in the third person. You have to say this recruit. Um, so it was a real culture shock. Um, and you know, being from Southern West Virginia, like there's not very much diversity in Southern West Virginia. It's either you're white or you're the one black kid that went to school. Uh, and, and that was pretty much it. So it was, and I hadn't really been, been away from home. So it was a big culture shock. Um, but when I went, there wasn't like, uh, there was no schools graduating. So when I went in March, so the, the platoon sizes were really small, which was nice. So, okay. Gotcha. And my class like was mixed with a little bit of older guys because it wasn't like the high school graduates right out of high school. You're, you're getting all the, you're getting all the kids, all the non kids. Yeah. So there was, uh, I mean, boot camp's 90 days. It's three months. It's, it's a long yeah. time. Uh, you know, it's, it's torture <laughs> in a sense, but like I, I, when I joined, uh, I was, I think 200 pounds. And when I graduated boot camp, I was 155. Like, Holy crap. Yeah. They don't, they don't, um, like they really pick your diet. Um, and then your, your body just takes a beating the whole 90 mm-hmm. days. Uh, they call it, um, uh, intense instruction or whatever. Yeah. Uh, basically, where they just make they make you do exercises while they're screaming in your face. Um, yeah, of course. But it was uh, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything because even though I had the some of the worst experiences in the military, and I'll, I'll explain how I got out. But yeah, that's where I want to get to next. But I'm more curious right now about the innards, like how you, yeah, how you enjoyed that. What do you take away from it? 
did I, I mean, I got to saw, uh, see the world and, right. and it was, it was awesome. Uh, I, I lived in, um, once I graduated all my schools, uh, I got stationed in Southern California. So I was right in between LA and San Diego and I don't have that much of a Southern drawl accent now, but I did then. And people, people would be sure to let you know, like, where are you from, man? And I was like, Oh, right. Um, but so when I was stationed in California, I ended up getting a, uh, a DUI, uh, out there, um, right before I deployed. So gotcha. I'm, I'm super competitive, highly competitive. And the military is all about getting promoted. So like, if you're, um, you know, once you get to a certain rank, you, you just, you just want to keep going. You want right. to get, promoted, and it's a competition with your peers, Absolutely. people in the same rank. So that really hurt me. It set me back. Um, I, I was down. Like as soon as I got arrested, I blew a point oh six, but I was twenty years old. Yeah. So, you, so you're stuck. Anything over point oh one, you're stuck. Yeah, and the cops didn't want to arrest me because it was the morning after. Like I drank the night before. Yeah. And, and uh, it was like five a.m. and San Diego police pulled me over. Um, my buddy that was with me, um, he was twenty one. So he's the one who bought the alcohol for us, but he was still hammered drunk and he's Korean. Uh, and <laughs> like he grew up in Korea. So like he didn't move to the States until he was like 15 or 16. And gotcha. he's screaming at the cops and he, he can't even hardly open his eyes. They're already a little bit shut anyways. <laughs> and, uh, Moon, if you watch this, buddy, I love you. Um, but he's screaming at the cops and I'm just like, dude, shut up. I'm already going to causing problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, uh, so it was very, it was like really disheartening. Like I, I wanted to mm. take my life then, um, just because I kind of saw my career just slipping away and being, yeah, you're 20 years old at this point too. So it feels like it's yeah. getting robbed. Right. Uh, but I, I bounced back. I bounced back good too. I went on my mm. deployment, um, to Afghanistan and, I did really well over there and I ended up getting promoted above my peers. So okay. within three and a half years of being in the Marine Corps, I, you know, I got promoted to Sergeant, um, which is, you know, the first, you know, big step as far as leading Marines, mm. being in charge of Marines and actually taking responsibility for, you know, other, other people rather than yourself. And, you know, it's a big, it's a big responsibility and, and it's a big, um, Kind of proud it's it's a proud moment when you get promoted to sergeant. Of course. And I had my sergeant um that you know deployed with me on to Afghanistan. He was the one that promoted me. Like you get to pick who pins your rank on. Uh okay. so I had him and, and another sergeant uh friend of mine pin my rank on and I was super proud. I, I was married at that point. Um right after deployment I met my ex wife and you know, my life really started to turn around. Everything started looking good going on the up, going on the up. Uh, I got, since I had the DUI on my record, um, it was a struggle to reenlist because they don't okay. want, if you have any derogatory stuff like that, they don't want to keep you. They just kind of let you go. But I'd already got promoted to Sergeant. Uh, I was, I was kicking ass and I went to a, a leadership course out of 80 Marines and, I finished head of my class, which was a big wow, deal. No, like CEO was there at my graduation, um, got letters of recommendation, uh, accommodations, and 
you know, my life was, it was, it was really good at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. And we, I, I got approved for reenlistment. When I got approved for reenlistment, um, I had a general, uh, that worked at the office for the Marine Corps headquarters call me and she had my package for reenlistment. She called me, uh, one morning I was getting up it was, in California. It was like 4am. I was getting up for PT and in okay. uh, Virginia where she was, it was like 7am. So she was giving she was me a call early. to let yeah. me know she was going to approve it. So I knew before it actually got approved and back to my command. So um, that's why like when I talk about the Marine Corps, it, for the longest time, it's been very hard for me because I didn't get out on good terms. Right. Um, and I know you know a little bit of the backstory. Uh, of course. I, I posted a video on on YouTube, and mm -hmm. it kind of it explains everything on there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you want me to go ahead and go into it. Yeah, you can go into it. I'll definitely, just for, for everybody's knowledge, I'll link your YouTube below so that they can go okay. deep diving if they want to go into your story. But oh. definitely let it, yeah, dude, let it rip. Um, yeah, so how did it start going south? So I... Once I re-enlisted, I got orders to uh, uh, North Carolina. Right. And my ex-wife and I, uh, we bought a house, really gorgeous house. I loved that house. I was super proud of it. You know, having grown up in a single wide trailer and the boonies, um, right. you know, it was, it was something I was extremely proud of. And I was so excited to meet my new unit. Was, that's a fresh start every time you get a new unit. Absolutely. No one knows you. Um, and then I had I had a lot of, uh, of awards and that's kind of how Marines recognize, you know, who's been through what, you know, right. you, by what you wear on your, uh, your whatever's ribbon. on your chest. Yep. Yeah. Ribbons and your uh, your medals. So I had a lot of awards. I'd already been to war. Um, so I came into that new unit, you know, with already a level of respect that most Marines don't get because of the awards that I had. And right. we got a uh, staff sergeant, so my boss, mm -hmm. that was a terror. Oh my! I hated this man to the, to his very core, and he just rode uh, my ass all day, every day. Nothing I did was right. It didn't matter how good I was doing it; nothing was right. Like this guy was just mad when he showed up to work, like every day. Everybody's like, been there at some point, but it just sucks when you're in military. You ain't got nothing. You can't go to nobody. Yeah. And you just, you know, I, I would say, yes, that's not I that's not No, that's not And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Like, right. I've, I've been a great Marine for the past, you know, three and a half, four years. Like now this guy's telling me that I suck every day. Uh, we, I made it to a breaking point where I was getting ready for a field operation and he wanted to inspect the gear so i i did it over the weekend like i didn't have to like i i guess technically i did have to do it over the weekend because that was the only time i got to do it so I, I set up this gear inspection and he came in i gave him the pay i had everything printed out and laid out for him to inspect and he threw the paper across the the room that we were in it's like a big uh garage basically and yeah. I had two Marines there with me that were my Marines, you know? So, and he threatened to, he threatened to kick me in the chest. And then I finally snapped. I told my Marines to get the, get the fuck out of the garage. Um, cause I didn't want him to hear what I was about to say to him. 
because it's, you know, insubordinate because he right. was my boss. But I told him that if I was like, if you're going to kick me or if you're going to threaten to hit me, you better fucking do it because I'm ripping your head off the second. The second um, you come at me. Yeah. And then, you know, things changed a little bit after that. Um, you know, he, he didn't ride me quite as hard after that. I you got a little him, respect from that. No, not a little respect. Okay. Uh, I uh, intimidated him a little bit because he was all bark and no bite, and he knew right. I was about to. I was about to. Well, bite. that's kind of what I meant about respect, though. He he kind of understood that he was overstepping his bounds. Yeah, and but I mean, every everywhere this guy went, he had problems. Right. Um, but then I ended up uh, I ended up going on a field operation with another boss of mine, and. On that field operation, it was in Yuma, Arizona. It's kind of like Top Gun. Okay. Um, the operation they call it weapons and trainings uh, instruction, but it's like Top Gun for the the Marine Corps pilots. Gotcha. Um, all of the fixed wing aircraft, all their uh, helicopters and stuff, they go through this massive training um, and they get evaluated on it. But I was out there for support, and I had a Marine. Uh, pick up a live ordinance, Corporal Packer. And I can't, I can't forget it, but he, I had told him, I told the whole um, section that I was in charge of, you know, hey, you guys have been kicking ass. I'm, I'm really proud of you. Uh, we got some downtime. I'm going to PT. So I was training for a marathon at the time. So I wanted to run on the flight line. So I was going to run on the flight line. And I told them to just stay in the training area and do whatever they wanted. You know, if they wanted to play cards, play cards. If they wanted to try to take a shower with water bottles, because we were staying in tents. Right. Um, like, whatever you want to do. Just, you know, when I get done running, I'm going to get accountability. And I went to go get accountability after I got done running. And I had three Marines missing. And they went outside the training area, which they dropped you know, live ordinance all over that place in, in Arizona. Um, it's like cordoned off. And what is, what is live ordinance? Like, like actual bombs and, uh, flares and all, all kinds of shit. Yeah. Like train, like the pilots are there to train. So they actually shoot live ordinance on, it's like their gun range, you know? Right. So they're testing all their equipment. They're working out their trucks. Right. Yeah. And you know, the flares, like if, uh, if an aircraft gets shot at and they shoot the flares off the side so that the absolutely yeah okay yeah well that's what he picked up he saw something shiny he thought it was like a four-wheeler part or something lord that and, seems like a terrible idea yeah and it went off in his hand so it hadn't exploded yet so there's a bunch of unexploded that's what they call unexploded ordnance it's okay. where it got shot off but it did but it just didn't pop yeah and it popped in his hand and those flares burn extremely hot so oh yeah no you can get serious burns from that right oh yeah so when he came back and i finally found him i lit into them i was yelling at him because you know i couldn't find him and after i got done yelling at him i told them to go uh i was getting ready to to fuck with them basically i was getting ready to punish him right and when they came back he's like hey we got to show you this you know i picked up something and it went off my hand and this dude was missing the skin from his middle finger to his thumb. Like it was, oh, it was all calm. Oh man. Like, like to the point, like it, he wasn't bleeding at all. It was just ripped off. It was flushed. Yeah. Like you could tell it was like kind of like 
uh, I, I'm in woodworking. So it's kind of like, you know, like a, how a sheet of plywood, there's different layers. Right. Yeah. He had like four layers gone basically <sighs> off his hand. And my, my boss there, he, he blamed me. So that's how, that's how the military works. You know, if one of your Marines gets in trouble, you get in trouble. That's on you. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense to a degree. To a degree. Like I was like, it's a grown man. I, I told them what to do, but I didn't keep my eyes on them while I was running. So it was my fault. Right. Uh, so my command hated me after that. Like it was like, I, I was the worst sergeant on in the Marine Corps. And it was very demoralizing and very humiliating. And like, mm. they don't, when they, when something like that happens, they want to try to make an example of I was you. going to say, they're going to try to find a way to get rid of you. Yeah. They want to, they want to make an example of you, but the only thing they could do was give me some negative paperwork. So they gave me okay. uh, what's called a 6105, which is basically a slap on the wrist. Uh, but it doesn't look good trying to get Absolutely. promoted. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and that, and that was the thing I had orders to the drill field, uh, to be a drill instructor, okay. to go train, to go train, train. Marines. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I didn't get to execute those orders because of that 6105. Uh, so that was my out of the unit. I would have finally got away from that unit. That was really just, I was stressed. Like I, I never had anxiety before. I've always been a very confident person. I've always, I've, I'm not really say full of myself, but like I said, if I'm have I'm, a, have a big ego. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, have to be to be a Marine to be fair. You, there's gotta be some ego there. Yeah. It's a, I mean, anyone that joins the military, they can join any branch they want. And mm. Marines are, are normally a type A personality. They're absolutely normally, not all. I, I, I will say there's some bitches in the Marine Corps too, but um, few and far between though, from what I understand. Yeah. So it's mostly, you know, a certain personality. Amen. Uh, yeah. And like, I, they they just would not give me a pass like the whole time that I was at this unit. I could yeah. not get a pass uh, on anything. But I knew I wasn't a bad Marine. I never had been. Of course. Uh, I just had this, the worst hand dealt to me as far as my chain of command. And my CO, um, Lieutenant Colonel Bill, she's a, uh, a uh, she, I think she was a logistics uh, Lieutenant Colonel, so a logistics okay. officer. But she's the one that gave me my 6105. And they basically put me on shit detail after that. Um, all the stuff that no one wants to do. And right. I got an op I got another opportunity to redeem myself. And I fucked it up royally. Uh, we went to Key West, Florida. And in Key West, Florida, there was only three Marines old enough to drink. Myself. Um, one of my senior NCOs and my gunnery sergeant, my boss. Gotcha. So he was the only person that outranked me on that that exercise that we went to in Key West, Florida. Yep. So we went out to Duval Street, which is kind of like the Bourbon Street of the Bourbon Street of uh, of Florida over there. Okay. Yeah. So we went out to Duval Street, and you know, we we went out to get drunk, like. That was the plan. Like I even told my uh, my wife at the time, I was like, she was like, yeah, go out and have fun. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go out and have fun. Uh, well, mm -hmm. when 
I used to drink uh, heavily. I would drink to get drunk. Like if I knew I was going right. out to, to drink, like that was why I was going out was to drink. That's the way I am. Yep. Yeah. I was, I'm going to get hammered. Um, so I was taking shots. Yeah. Um, I, I drank beer. I was mixing pretty much every alcohol. Everything that you could imagine. I ended up getting into a fight with a, a basketball player from North Carolina State. They were down there on a tournament. Oh, shit. Yeah, I won. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hold your head high on that one. Yeah, we were, uh, we were at Fat Patties. Um, but after that, it was, uh, you know, I blacked out. Shortly after that, I blacked out. I don't remember walking back to the van. Uh, we had a government van and we had already, you know, we took the other Marines that weren't old enough to drink, but you know, they went on their own and did their right. own. Um, but we had a designated driver for the van. And when the van picked me up, they, I guess they just shoved me into the seat. It's like a town and country van, you know, two captain chairs up front, two captain chairs behind it. And then a bench seat behind that. Gotcha. And the van was fully loaded. So, like, once we dropped my gunny off, uh, the van wasn't loaded anymore. Um, but they strapped me into my seat. I ended up puking in the van. Don't remember that. Hmm. Um, so, two weeks go by, and my gunny's, you know, he, he's telling me how much better I'm doing uh, as leading Marines, how I took charge of that exercise, how, I mean, we did a really good job. We were only there two weeks. Hmm. So... That was at the very beginning of the exercise that night when I went out and got drunk. I didn't go out and get drunk, uh, drunk anymore. That, that that whole exercise, I had to you know clean up the van the next morning. You know, everyone was making fun of me. Right. Sergeant Moran was, was hammered. You know, they they saw me hammered. Um, you know, they had never seen me like that before. Like, I don't, you don't go out drinking with your subordinates, and I didn't go out drinking with them. I went out drinking with my gunny and a senior NCO. Uh, which NCO stands for non-commissioned officers. It's corporals and sergeants. Yep. Um, and that corporal is getting promoted to sergeant like the next month. So, Oof. okay. well, he didn't get in any trouble or anything. Well, like, no, I, I, but if something goes wrong, he's got to blame it on you because he needs his promotion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he, no, nothing went wrong uh, with, okay. with him or anything. Um, but I had a female Marine that worked for me and, she was she was a good marine um at the time like she had an attitude though and she made the mistake she worked directly for me for a while and we worked fine together people uh like we'd have conversations that were inappropriate but um it wasn't like her and i flirting or anything like that i never i never hit on her or anything yeah but she would tell me about her boyfriend and about their sex life and um you dove everything. into the weeds a little bit yeah yeah mm -hmm. uh just marines talking really like just so happens that this one's a woman right and like she and she was a god she got around uh she got Oof. around a lot okay and was proud about it like she wasn't embarrassed about it um she she would joke and laugh about it but i guess on the night that i got drunk she said, like, I was yelling at her two weeks later because she got an attitude with me. She got an attitude with me about a week before that in front of my gunny. And I had to, like, my gunny's like, you're, you're going to take care of that, right? So I, you know, I had to yell at her about a week before that. So she's already mad at me right? You know, for yelling at her. But I'm her boss. And, it, like, we've never been friends. It was 
you know, it was a, it was a professional relationship. Right. But you, you know, you still have conversations, get to know your Marines and things like that. Absolutely. Um, I would hope you did. <laughs> yeah. You know, just to be, you know, the human part human. of it. Yep. Yeah. So two weeks later, um, well, a week after I yelled at her, um, we're getting ready to leave and she was uh, a fuel accountant. So I told her to like, go make sure that the numbers are good. Right. And she basically told me they're good. They're good. Don't worry about it. And I was like, no, go check. Cause there was like the guy, the government guy that worked there. I didn't trust him. Um, so I was like, go check the numbers uh, again. And she's like, they're fucking good. And got an attitude with me. I was like, all right, well, I'll go, I'll go check the fucking numbers. And I went and checked the numbers and I came back. I was steaming mad. I was like, right. I was, I already had what I was going to say to her in the back of my mind, walking back to the van where she was at. I've been there before. <laughs> so, so I lit into her. Um, as soon as I got back to the van, mm-hmm. like, who do you think you are? Um, and she accused me of trying to grope her the night that I was drunk. Mm-hmm. And sexual assault in the military is, is nothing to take lightly because it does happen a lot. Right. Um, and I was like, Whoa, wait, what are you talking about? I tried to, she's like, you already, you tried to grab my boobs two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, you told Gunny that I was drinking underage. I did tell my gunnery sergeant that she had been drinking underage because I caught her drinking underage. Okay. Um, but she wasn't getting in trouble for it. She thought she was getting in trouble. She wasn't getting in trouble. My gunny was just mad about it and he had yelled at the Marines. Like, I know you guys have been drinking underage. Right. Um, but he, like, they weren't in trouble. They just got their ass chewed. But she was mad at me for yelling at her the week before. And she was mad at me for, for telling my gunnery that she was drinking underage because mm-hmm. she was only 20 years old. And at the time, I was 20, 25, 25. So not a huge age difference there, but no, but there's a seniority over there. Yeah. And I'd been in the Marine Corps for five years at that point. Right. And she had been in for like a year, a year, real, real short. So once she accused me, I stopped the conversation and I called my gunnery center. I was like, Hey, this is what Zaisley said. Um, her name was Lance Corporal Zaisley, but my command immediately believed her. Immediately. There was five other people in the van. And all right. of them said, I didn't see him try to grab her boots. Right. And when I'm, and I know how I am when I'm blackout drunk, I go to sleep or I puke. I did both. <laughs> so I could have been trying, like, if, let's say what she's saying is true, I could have been trying to get off the van. I could have been trying to hold my head up. I, I was never inappropriate towards her. I never flirted with her. Yeah. I never, I never made advances towards her. And then all of a sudden I tried to grope her, mm-hmm. but the Marine Corps did not care. They did so not they just stuck with her allegation right away. Right. And she thought that she was going to, since she was a victim of sexual assault, which she wasn't. Um, but since she thought that since she was a victim, that the Marine Corps was going to be cake after that. Everyone's gonna treat her like a victim. Well, they treated, oh, shit. They treated okay. me like a criminal from the get-go. They treated me yeah. like an absolute criminal. They sent right. me to alcohol awareness classes, AA meetings. Um, 
mental health evaluations. Um, they stuck me in a room and told me to call her, shut up and call her. I did that for six months. They just stuck me in a room in battalion. Um, and treated me like an absolute criminal. Like I, I still, I still had Sergeant rank on, but I was the Sergeant that was accused of sexual assault. Right. So you had that stamp on you. Yeah. Six months, six months. And I still had to show up to work every day. I still had to see these people every day. Um, I still had kids to take care of. My daughter was my, my wife at the time was pregnant with my daughter. Um, and my, like, I knew my career was over. Like I, in the military. Yep. Yeah. I knew it was over, but I had a chance because since I'd been in six years at that point, uh, I'd passed my six year mark. They can't just kick you out. Okay. If I was in less than six years at that point, they can just kick you out. Okay. Like they don't even sexually really no excuses. Allegation, they can just, right. they can just kick you out and give you a, a other honorable discharge and say, good luck. But since I'd passed that threshold, they had to give me what's called an administrative hearing. Okay. So three Marines and my CO gets to pick two of them. Well, she picked the third one too. It was her best friend. Um, and I can verify that by Facebook, like there's pictures of her and this other woman, um, her name, I can't even think of her name. I can picture her face, but like it, it messed me up mentally so bad. Like I cannot think of this woman's name. Right. Um, I, if I looked at the, I kept all the paperwork, but if I looked at the paperwork, her name's on there, but, um, they gave me a hearing and I was represented by two JAG officers. They presented all the, it was like a, an uphill fight though. And when I went to the hearing, like, senior leaders that knew me, knew how good of a Marine I was, were there to speak on my behalf. I had letters of recommendation from all my senior leaders that I'd served under before, like, like field grade officers, um, retirees. Um, I, I had a buttload of letters of recommendation and they normally like, they're like, get at least six. I had like 26. Wow. Um, and these are people that like they wrote lengthy letters about my character, uh, about how I am as a man, how I am as a father, how I am as a Marine. Right. Didn't matter. Did not matter. I was, uh, I mean, in their eyes, I was a rapist, um, that they were going to believe every, every word this woman said. And before my hearing, they actually separated her from the military for fraudulently enlisting because she got a mental health evaluation and they brought up her past uh like records that didn't get shown to the marine corps before she enlisted and okay. they gave her an out with an honorable discharge too so she's out at the point of your hearing yeah she was already out that's unbelievable yeah i i guess like you know marine corps they make you if you live in the barracks they make you field day your room once a week like Bit shine clean, right? Uh, people go in and inspect it, mm -hmm. which is kind of you know moral uh, demoralizing as an adult. You know, someone's another adult's coming in to check your room. Yeah, uh, make sure it's clean once a week. Thanks, mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I hated that when I was like living in the barracks, but yeah, I understand they you know they want to make sure that the, your rooms are being maintained. Um, 
so when I inspected rooms, I was never a stickler because uh, that's where you live. Uh, you're not coming to my house to inspect my house. So I'm, <laughs> as long as it looks clean, smells clean, I'll get with it. But right. she was going, she had a field day. I guess she freaked out during field day and ended up breaking her mirror in her room and was like hmm. uh, threatening to kill herself or something like that. I, I wasn't allowed to speak to this Marine. I wasn't allowed to speak to any Marines about this Marine while I was under investigation by NCIS. Yeah, it makes sense. And I called NCIS. And I was like, what are y'all doing? Like, yeah, like, cause I was, I was anxious and I was nervous. And I, you know, my career was in, in jeopardy impact. at this point. Yep. Yeah. For six months, they just let me sit there wow. yep. yeah, and go crazy. Basically. Uh, my daughter was born during that period. Um, so I had a newborn, uh, baby girl. Uh, my son was three years old and he, you know, has his own adolescent, uh, problems. He's ADHD. Um, and so my life was very hectic and like they, I still went to the Marine Corps ball that year, which is like a party they have every year for the Marine Corps birthday, which was right when my daughter was born. Um, because my daughter was born on Veterans Day. Marine Corps birthday is the day before Veterans Day. Gotcha. But they, I think they had the ball like, uh, I think it was, it was either before or after my daughter was born because I, I obviously didn't miss that. So, um, yeah, like all my commanders were there. No one would talk to me about anything. And then all of a sudden I get word that they're doing this hearing and it was, all the evidence was presented. They didn't have anything to prove that I did it, but they also didn't have anything to prove that I didn't, didn't do it. Yeah. And I wasn't even, she wasn't even there. So I couldn't even have her go up on the stand, uh, which was kind of, it was kind of like a courtroom hearing, but there is no jury. It was just those three Marines. Just the, it's just your like commanding officers and then the people that they brought in as witness. Yeah. And, so all the people yeah. from the van said that they didn't see me do anything. Uh, so they, they didn't have anything, but they still gave me, uh, they separated me, uh, on 420, um, 2016. And they gave me a general discharge under honorable conditions, which means they were like, Oh, well, you'll get to keep your GI bill. Don't worry about it. I'm like, yeah, this, I, I'm worried about it. Like, now on my DD-214, which is like if you want to prove that you're a veteran. Okay. Or if you apply for a job after you get out of the military. Gotcha. And you're like, hey, I'm a veteran. And they ask for your DD-214. Mine says, uh, it doesn't say honorable discharge. It says general discharge under honorable conditions. And then it says serious misconduct. Or uh, it says misconduct, serious offense which could mean anything. I was going to say that sounds so general that they can make that up to be almost anything they want. Exactly. And uh, it's messed with me. I can imagine so bad. Like, and my, my wife at the time, she went through all that with me. Um, I can tell like, that's when our, that's when our marriage fell apart. I was going to ask you, so did you see, did you see your anxiety, your, your start of, uh, I guess your recognition of your mental, uh, case, did you start recognizing that before this trial or was this like the, this was the catalyst? That was like, 
honestly, I, I had so much responsibility. I had a job. Like I got out on a Thursday. I had a job on Monday. Wow. Like, I got, I had bills to pay. I had, you know, right. you know, family to take care of. And that was, uh, I think that was the only thing that really kept me going at that time. Like, yeah, I, I felt horrible, awful. Right. Like everyone that I had served with, um, that wrote me letters and recommendation, they, they knew the outcome and it just made me feel very embarrassed, um, about being a Marine that I didn't even, it was something that I was so proud of before that I hadn't had nothing to show for it. Uh, I had, I have plaques, um, I have awards, I have pictures, I have all this, all these memories of the Marine Corps, all the good memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I didn't feel like I could enjoy it. Like I couldn't be proud of it. And it, it was, it was extremely unfair. Like, my CO, she had to do like an outbound interview and she was scared to do the outbound interview with just me and her. Like she had other Marines in the room while she did it. Cause I knew, cause I, I saw her Facebook. My attorneys brought up her Facebook. She, we tried to, they, they have, it's kind of like when you're in a jury trial and they, you know, they, it's, I forget what it's called. It's like Ovar deer or something. I don't know the exact term, but they basically interview the, uh, the three Marines that were in charge. And she was a sexual assault advocate for the entire Marine Corps. Like her entire career had been all about sexual assault. So she okay. kept using the term victim. It was like one side and we're like, you know, you really shouldn't be on this hearing based on your career and based on the allegations. Like you should, you're, you're, she was, she was biased. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, it seems yeah. like she's coming with a little bit of bias. Yeah. Which is why like my attorneys, um, they asked the, um, uh, basically like the Marine Corps court, um, that was in charge of, uh, administrative hearings to have her taken off my hearing because it was unfair. Well, they said they were, um, they were conveniently outside the door. Like the guy that approves and denies it conveniently like outside the door. And he's like, no, nah, she can stay. And then I sat back down and I was like, well, I'm getting out of the Marine Corps. Um, yeah, of course. I, I knew I was losing because they brought up her Facebook and there's like pictures of, cause I ran marathons and that was something my CO and I had in common. She was a runner. So she used to like me until Corporal Packer almost blew his hand off. And then after that, she didn't like me anymore. Okay. Um, but like they ran marathons together. They, they, they have pictures in DC together. They have pictures, um, at the officers club together. Like this was her good friend, which mm -hmm. I get it because there's not a whole lot of female officers at that rank and they were one rank apart. So right. I'm sure they hung out quite often, but it, the odds were completely stacked in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like it, man. And it was like during the whole Me Too movement too, which is like, mm -hmm. like anytime someone says they're a victim of sexual assault, it's like immediately believed. Um, yeah. And there, and and like I said, like there are cases that it it would be very tough to be a female in the Marine Corps. 
Oh yeah, I can imagine. I wouldn't. I would submit myself if I was a female. Well, like I'm, I met my ex and in the Marine Corps. So like she had tons of inappropriate advances towards her and like, right. I get it. Like I completely get it. Like drunk Marines, bad idea to be around a bunch of drunk Marines and, and be a female and be a female. Like it's, I'm sure it's rough. It's like being at a fraternity party, um, with, with, with a bunch of frat boys and, and yeah, what do you expect? You fall asleep on the couch, you know? Yeah, like, what are you expecting? Yeah. Yeah, it, you're you're flirting with danger there. But I was never I was I was never that guy. Like Yeah, no. I mean, it definitely doesn't seem like it from my point, man. So, how did so I guess it's time to go even even in more into the shit though, but you said you you think that that was the point at which you realized your marriage was starting to starting to crumble a little bit. What was yeah. what was the pointers for you? Like, how were you noticing that? Yeah, and I'm not I'm not able to talk too much. Uh, of course, yeah, stay within your bounds because I have uh, pending court. Of course, right now, but uh, you know, I, that had to be extremely rough for her because right. she was marine as well. Um, so it had to be extremely rough for her for her to just be married to me at that point, like. I was probably the biggest disappointment there was. And like, I knew, like, I knew she, she wanted to distance herself from me at that point, but she stayed with me. And then she got orders to Okinawa, Japan. I did not want to go to Okinawa, Japan. I made it very known that I didn't want to go. Yeah. Um, but I think she did. Um, and, after that, like we just became roommates. Like, yeah, uh, there was no intimacy. No longer partners. You guys are just living in the same house together. Basically. And how did that? So how did that? Once that started taking place, how did that affect your relationship with your kids? Oh, with my kids, like nothing ever yeah. changed with my kids. So, so you're okay on that space, right? So it just started becoming distancing between you and her. Yeah, and a lot of arguments too. I can uh, imagine. Well, we we don't agree politically either. So, oh, that's um, that's a tough that's a tough spot to start with a with a relationship between a man and a woman. Yeah, it was it was the 2016 election that really did it because uh, that's ooh. tough because that one, to be honest, that one divided America right down the middle. It, it did. It, it kind of let everyone see who you really are. Um, True colors it, came out. <laughs> yeah, but I I really disliked. Uh, Trump when he first started to run, I was like, okay, Ugh. I was like, oh god, I was like, I get what he's saying, I, I like what he's saying, but it was like, man, this guy's a this guy's a train wreck, like, and right. some of his speeches, like, and I, like, just how he was conducting himself, and I was like, and I, I would talk to my ex about, it. I was like, oh, I don't really, and then once it came down that he won the primary, I was like, all right, there's no way in hell that I'm voting for Hillary. Right. Uh, that, like I can't do it. Like she's a criminal, <laughs> um, and uh, and and she was like completely on the Hillary train. Like you just don't want to see a woman, a uh, woman president. I was like, that's not it. That's not okay. it. At all. Like okay, I totally understand where you're coming from. At this is like so. I'm actually 16 years old at this moment. 
2016. But this yeah. is right when I start paying attention to politics. And man, I was the only fighter. I was the only fighter for Mr. Trump. <laughs> well, I felt like I was fighting against the whole army. Well, I was like, I was like never on the Trump train, like or anything like yeah. that uh, at that time. But when it came down to vote, when it came down to the, like, two. the actual election, I was same for me. I was very much on his side. I was, right. I was, I hope he wins. And then I remember waking up the morning he did win, like when they said they announced that he won. I was, uh, my ex was like, who do you think won? I was like, I don't know, Hillary. And she went, no, Trump. I was like, oh, my God, I uh, did not expect that. I, I really right. didn't expect him to win. I don't think anybody did. <laughs> and I, but he did a lot of great stuff while he was in. Like, Oh, I agree. Like Better was, than what we're looking at now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and I was in the military for... Uh, you know, a lot of uh, Obama's presidency, and every the whole time you were in was Obama's presidency. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I, I wasn't like I didn't join in two thousand eight. So, but it was he. He never like came off as someone that supported the people that he was in charge of. He never right. came off as someone that supported the military, someone that supported police officers, someone that. And I, I would get into argument after argument like the whole brianna taylor uh thing yeah that's I, a tough one i was like well i mean there's a book and i think a documentary that the daily wire does now uh on some of the officers uh i think it's like 12 hours in the dark or something like that yeah i haven't been able to see it but yeah i gotta i gotta go take a look yeah but it's about the officers like her name was like she uh my ex would just watch you know her news news feed and you know, obviously she's getting a lot of liberal news feed and her best friend is like super liberal, worked for the government, um, mm -hmm. very uh, pro-Democrat. And I was uh, I, I was registered Democrat when I first registered to vote when I was 18. Really? Because, you know, well, my uh, my family, uh, they always voted Democrat uh, because the unions. I was going to say, so the unions in West Virginia. Yeah. yeah, my grandfather, he worked for uh, a union coal mine. Um, so he was like diehard Democrat. Like when he went to vote, he would just vote all Democrat. Right. Um, blue, uh, blue dog. Yeah. So I didn't know any better. Uh, I wasn't you know, paying attention. To, like Politics weren't really like young people when I was growing up didn't really pay attention to politics. It was like, right. You didn't really care. Like it didn't. Fa Which is uh, probably a better way of living life. Yeah. And it was before, you know, social media was as big as it is now. Absolutely. And now, if you're not on social media, you're out of the loop. Like, that's where everyone gets their news. Mm -hmm. But when I, like, when the 2016 election hit, and, like, it became all over social media. Everyone's just, did you hear what he said this week? Did you hear what he said today? And I was like, yeah, I wouldn't have said it like that. But he's not wrong. Yeah. And that was like, that's what it felt like when you're arguing on his behalf. It's like, yeah, okay. He might not have said it or might not have done it in the way that you might've hoped, but isn't the outcome or also just the truth behind it really what matters? Yeah. The truth, like the truth doesn't matter when, whenever you offend someone, it really does not matter at this point. Yeah. And, and every, like every woman in my life, every woman in my life, except for my mom, my mom, uh, she saw right through the bullshit, but, um, every woman in my life was like, well, you have a daughter. Are you, like, <laughs> like that's supposed yeah? to be the argument that pulls you over. <laughs> I was like, yeah? And I would just argue with these women all the time. And it got to the point, like when I went on vacation every year, 
we went to a lot of nice places too. I went to India. Um, India wasn't that nice, but uh, we went to Taj Mahal. <laughs> we went to Australia. Uh, yeah. We went on a cruise, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, um, Vietnam, uh, Taiwan, or not Taiwan. Um, I don't know, there's one other country in there, but like we did a lot of cool things when we were in Japan. But right. her her best friend would always go on a vacation with us, so it was always like I can't I can't say you got to keep. I was gonna say you got to keep your mouth shut. Got to keep uh, right. Yeah. And her best friend's a double minority, so uh, like that matters apparently. No, that, that's how she classifies herself. I but, totally understand. Yep. Yeah, and every time they wanted to talk about something. Um, that was going on, whether it be, you know, I don't think Brianna, the Brianna Taylor and George Floyd thing hadn't happened then. This was like back when I was back in the States when those happened, but uh, which is like right during COVID and everyone was already like, I worked all through COVID. I worked for a bank. Um, I, I started working for, uh, the bank in, uh, uh, Okinawa and I just kind of transferred when I got to the state. Back, back in the States. Yep. But we never shut down. So I always had a job during the uh, the pandemic. But right. everything was politicized. So everything was political. Like, yeah, you couldn't. You almost for like three years there, it felt like you couldn't. Especially once COVID hit. But for three years there, it felt like you couldn't get away from a conversation that had to do with, uh, like you were saying before, what did Trump say today, and how do we bash it? How do we turn it into an argument? Yeah, right. and that was you know, and first everyone that all the women in my life to disagree with me so heavily and just have this huge bleeding heart for everything that's wrong with the world, uh, but not seeing what's wrong with the, you know, the people that were committing crimes or the people that were rioting. Right, right, right. It was, it was driving me nuts. And my CEO um, that kicked me out was super liberal, like feminism um, to the core, like, they, the, their whole agenda, uh, like they would have meetings for just females, uh, in the military, um, there, they had an agenda to, um, like whenever a woman was promoted or whatever, a woman was doing something good, they made much more light of it than when a man was doing it, which I get it. You know, there's far less female Marines than there are male Marines. Absolutely. They would like, if a male Marine was shit hot and like this guy was just a pt stud he knew all of his marine corps knowledge and was an amazing leader he could be outshined by a mediocre female marine right if it was just someone that showed up and did her job well right um and it, that like i couldn't let it go like as far as i couldn't walk away from the arguments which i think you know really you know, it was like this when my family just became no longer the nuclear family. Um, right. Right. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to stay, uh, I wanted to stay together. I didn't want to get a divorce because I, I didn't grow up with a dad. And yeah. And that you, I think we even talked about it personally, but you felt that need to be there for your kids as I would. Yeah. And, like my, I, I made amends with my dad uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Good for you, man. So I, 
I asked him three questions. I asked him, uh, do you love me? Do you know what love is? And why'd you leave? And, you know, he was honest and he told me he loved me. He knew that I had a lot of rage at that point um, and that he very well could get punched in the mouth just by meeting me. Um, yeah. But he, he was honest and uh, he never left and he kept tabs on me. He would show up to my baseball games and my football games without me even knowing. Um, really? But, you know, my grandmother hated him. Um, hmm. So, and he had, another, he had a wife. So I, I'm, I was born out of, I was a bastard child. Born out of wedlock. My dad, gotcha. my, well, my, no, my dad was married. Uh, but but he had the, he had the kid outside of that. Yeah. I got you. Me and my sister. So, uh, and I have half brothers and half sisters too that uh, I'm trying to, you know, have a relationship with now, but I didn't have a relationship with them growing up. Absolutely. Um, which is why I wanted to stay with my ex. I was like, you know, let's just try to do this for the kids. And it yeah. didn't work out. Uh, I got down, I got real down and I was, um, uh, I was smoking a lot of marijuana, just trying to cope, and I was mm. heavily like I, I didn't really drink that much before, but you know, just things weren't going in my favor, and I felt like my, you know, my life didn't have purpose anymore. So you uh, found that as an outlet. Did you right. find um, were you tending more towards marijuana or more towards alcohol, or was it really a lot it was of both? A mix of both, and I had started dating another woman. Okay. Uh, well, this is actually, well, I hadn't started dating her yet, but um, I was trying to uh, to get back together with my, my ex-wife and she was leading me on. Like it went on for months. Like I tried to take her on a date. She didn't want to go on a date with me. And I was like, what am I doing? Uh, like she didn't want to talk to me. Like she just wanted to live her best life. She, she would keep telling me that, you know, moving on is the furthest thing from my mind. And then when I moved on, it, it apparently wasn't the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> but I, yeah. I tried to take my own life, man. Um, yeah, man, I, that was, uh, what was that? Was that September? Yeah, in September. Uh, yeah, so I, tell the, yeah, tell the, tell the people how that came about. Cause this, sh this shit really rocked me, man. Yeah, so I was, I mean, I got this, this big house and, uh, you could hear like every creak in it when, when my kids weren't here. So, um, the, yeah, I mean, like my, I had my dog, but like that was the only person I had to talk to my dog. Right. Um, uh, I was just lonely. I was like extremely lonely, um, depressed and, uh, I trying to cope with alcohol and I was working a new career that was, extremely stressful as a mortgage officer, uh, yep. all commission based. And I just really didn't see uh, like a future in my life. I didn't see, uh, I didn't have high hopes for myself basically. And I always, yeah, I, I got you, man. I always did before. Like I always wanted to be something great. And, um, I, at that point I was just, I was so down on myself and beating myself up and, um, like I said, it's coping with alcohol and marijuana, but it was a lot, uh, I would go to Illinois and, uh, where it's legal and I would, I would buy as much as I could. And, uh, I, back. 
I, I would I was smoking the extract, uh, like the the pins, you know. Oh, dude, that's what I was. That's what I was on forever. Yeah, I just stopped like a week and a half ago. Those cartridges, yeah, they're killer. Yeah, and um, so I would I would literally wake up um, and take a hit first thing, and then me too, bro. I would I would literally hit it all day. Uh, but when when you have like generalized anxiety, uh, and anxiety. I have what they call I have what they call non non specified anxiety. They call it apparently. Okay. So that's what I deal with. And, and honestly, like I don't, I still don't think it was the marijuana. It was it's probably more of the alcohol. Because like whenever I'd smoke, I would just get hungry and read. Like, I felt better, <laughs> and I was happy. Yeah. Like by smoking, I could actually enjoy music. Um, because when you're super depressed, nothing feels good. Nothing feels good. Right. Don't feel good. Um, you know, like music, I would drive uh, 45 minutes to work and not listen to a darn thing and just be stuck in my head. Yeah, uh, that's not good, man. Right. And then I would come home and I'd, uh, I, I kept a bottle of liquor at my desk. Like, <sighs> Uh, I, when I would come home, I would just drink beer until I, I passed out. And one day I, you know, said, you know, I had been thinking about killing myself for months already. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I loaded my rifle, um, and I, I stuck it in my mouth. And I, I was, I was probably seven beers deep and a couple of shots of whiskey and, um, I had the liquid courage to do it and pulled the trigger and it went click. Um, so I, I, I was already in tears. I was in my bed when I did it. And, um, like the gun was, the barrel was still fully in my mouth and I took it out of my mouth and, uh, ejected the round and the, uh, the round had a dented primer. So it was a failed round. Um, right. Which doesn't happen that often. No, I mean, if you're around guns enough, you know, it's what is it? One, one in 2000, one in 3000, maybe comes yeah, off with that. Thousand. Yeah. You I mean, you have those, but it's not. Yeah. They come once in a while, but really. Eh. Yeah. So I, after that, I mean, I, I had told my, my ex, I was like, yeah, I, I tried to kill myself and. I, I was in, I'm in Kansas. So like my family's still in West Virginia. I didn't really have anyone out here. Um, right. I didn't really, I didn't have a support system. Like there was no, everybody says like, well, rely on your support system. I didn't really have a support yeah, system. Where, yeah. What did you have at that point, man? You had a, you had a military that kicked you out and a wife that didn't want you like. Yeah. So, and I, I told her about it and she immediately got mad at me. Like, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, that's very selfish to kill myself, but I mean, that that's where I'm at, you know. That's uh, and I still wanted to. And I think like just a few days after that, I uh, I was going to do it again. Um, yep. I I tried to hang myself. I have a, I mean, I can show you like the stairwell uh, behind me. Right. Uh, yep. It has a banister above it and. I uh, I tied a cable from the banister and I was standing on the stairs and when my weight hit I 
climbed back up. I um, panicked and yeah, your marine kind of came out, bro. Yeah, well, uh, and then I I wrote I, after that I sat down on the stairs like um, wrote a very lengthy uh, suicide note with instructions on to get how to get rid of my house and how to take care of all my belongings and yeah. who gets what and. Uh, I had a fully paid off truck and uh, I, I had instructions in there for everyone. And, you know, I was telling everyone not to blame my ex-wife and because um, I knew everyone would. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I slept with my rifle that night and the next morning I, I called the veteran suicide hotline because um, I didn't really, I didn't really want to, but I wanted to like, I, I didn't want to live. Um, I just, after the, the first bullet, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't drunk, so I wasn't drinking. So, um, I was just depressed and down. Like I didn't move from the stairs, uh, for hours and I slept, like I said, I slept with my rifle, but I didn't sleep. I wait, mm. like I, I just laid there until it was time morning came. And I got dressed and called the veteran suicide hotline, but I had already transferred every dollar I had to my name, uh, to my, to my ex. Mm -hmm. And she didn't even notice. I was like, uh, uh, she, she finally noticed when I was on my way to the hospital and texted me and, uh, was like, why is there X amount of dollars in, in this account? And, um, I, I still was wanting to kill myself, but I ended up seeing a psychiatrist at the VA. It was a yeah. walk-in appointment. I didn't know that Missouri, there's like a rule, I guess each state has its own rule or whatever, but Missouri, uh, they can hold you for like five days or hundred right. against your will. I had no clue that that was as soon as you thing. step foot in there. Well, as soon as you tell this, you know, the shrink that, uh, you know, I was honest with her. I was falling and I don't cry a lot, man. I, I yeah. cried a lot during that point and, uh, I was bawling in her office, like telling her that, you know, I, I had already attempted suicide and I had a plan to do it again. I wrote a suicide note and, um, and that's what the VA is for. You know, that's why you call the veterans hotline or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cause I, I have friends that have, that I deployed with that, you know, it's not that they, of what they've seen overseas, it's, you know, it's just life smacking them in the face and them feeling like they're not valued anymore. And, uh, they don't have any purpose in life. And I've had my, I've had good friends that have, you know, been successful in killing themselves. And, uh, oh, yeah, dude, I can imagine that you, um, you know, quite a few names. Yeah. And like, they're, they're gone. Like, and everyone, Every one of my friends from the Marine Corps, like when they, you know, when they heard how much of a hard time I was having and, and everything that was going on, you know, they all wanted to reach out. Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you? Because you, you grow apart, you know, even though you're, you're really good friends at the time, you're living your life in California, you're living your life in North Carolina, you're right. living your life in Japan, like all those places that I had been. Um, and like, why didn't you call me? Uh, and I was like, well, I mean, I, I, I would have called you, but like we haven't talked in months. Yeah, you didn't necessarily know that that system was set up for you. Well, I mean, it is, but 
you know, no one does. No one reaches mm-hmm. out to their friends uh, or their old buddies. But it, it's not it's not the military and everyone talks about the vet 22 thing but it's not it's not the military man it's it's life it's just it's just not being able to cope with life and like when you when you basically leave everything you know and now only thing you did know was the military and everything gets stripped away from you oh in my case it got stripped away from i was gonna you. say your case is a little bit extreme but still or just like you no longer have that camaraderie like some people hate the military while they're in absolutely hate it they're like man this is messed up i hate this about the marine corps i hate this about the marine corps and then when they get out they're like i miss my buddies I miss you don't have the camaraderie anymore yeah you completely yeah. miss out on everything that was guaranteed to you every single waking day since what most of them were 18 when they signed up 19 right well, it's so- not even the benefits like not not even like losing the benefits it's losing um because like I said, everyone's like a type A personality. So you you make friends in the military very quickly because they're very similar to yourself. Yeah, you 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 find out what you have in common, and and that's that's how you you spend months months with these people in a tent or a truck. Like you know them. Yeah, you know them inside and out. You know everything about them. Um, all their crazy weird sexual fantasies all their um all their toys that they want to buy cars foolers whatever whatever uh where they've been where they're going yeah yeah, you know everything about them uh Mm -hmm. every girl they've slept with from the time they lost their virginity you've heard every story like trust me um but you that's what people miss when they get out they don't miss exactly. They don't, they, don't, miss. they don't miss the daily stuff, man. They don't no. miss that day in, day out, you know, getting yelled at by by your officers. Yeah, no, that's not what's missed. No, it makes not. sense. And like people like like they have like really good friendships, like and so, sometimes like like I've I've visited my friends in New York. Like I've never been in New York in my life. And then I have a really good like he came to my house almost every day. We race motocross together um, and we worked together and we would hang out at work and we we're the same rank. And like I, I went to his property in New York and went hunting one Thanksgiving. Uh, I got friends in California that I, I hope to see again because um, we yeah. keep in communication. Um, and they're, they're really the ones that, you know, have helped me through this whole ordeal of wanting to commit suicide. And, uh, of course. But. I mean, it took me a long time to to forgive myself for this the things that I went through because I know that it wasn't I'm not blameless in it, you know. Like I got blackout yeah, drunk. There's no way. You know, I I got blacked out drunk and if I wouldn't have got blackout drunk, then I would have never got accused of sexual assault, you know. If I wouldn't have went for a run, maybe. Maybe that guy wouldn't have <laughs> Pick this that pick that flare up if uh you know all those regrets that's what drives you crazy like the kind right. of is and um what am i doing with my life i i know that i'm a good person i know that i'm a good uh good husband i'm a good father uh, but it's falling apart in front of your face yeah and to to have the the bullet not go off like it it really messed with me too uh like why right why? 
you're asking you're asking for answers that aren't really there to be to be told all right and then i was never like a huge believer in god either well hey man let's put it this way wouldn't be here right now talking to you if that motherfucker went off right right yeah yeah for sure but uh i I mean some it's there's got to be some reason and um so did you find yourself falling into into believing in God, believe. I know you talked to me personally about that, but how did you, how did that come about? Is there people that kind of put you in that direction? Well, I mean, no, not really. Uh, there wasn't like certain people that put me in that direction or anything. It was just um, coming to fruition. Like, uh, you know, you, I, being that close to death and I've always kind of lived my life on the edge uh, as far as adrenaline stuff, like motorcycles and skydiving and um, bungee jumping, like I, I always like to have a thrill uh, thrill ride, like super fast cars. I've had thousand horsepower cars, uh, like, and I like to drive like I stole it. Uh, so I've always, I've always like had that relationship with this could kill me, you know. Mm-hmm. So you always think like if if it does like where are you going you going to heaven or hell like is there a heaven or hell um so it was always in my mind like is there a heaven or hell and then when you have personal loss in your life i've watched um all of my uncles pass away except for uh except for one i have one uncle that's still alive and i i used to have four or five i think five but they've all killed themselves with drugs um, oh dude are you serious well they didn't not all of them overdose but like i have my oldest uncle he he did drugs for so many years and he died of health problems because Just took a toll on him yeah and he did like painkillers and i think he did meth i don't know um and then i had an, an uncle that everyone says i remind them of him and he was he let women destroy his life, honestly. And he went through a couple of bad divorces and bad relationships. And he, he, uh, sought comfort in drugs and, uh, it ruined his career as a welder. Uh, he was always, you know, making a good living, but then he would just blow it on drugs. And he was doing meth in my, my grandmother's house, uh, when I was in, like starting high school and then he got diagnosed with cancer uh and died shortly after but i watched him find god on his way out and Mm. um you know you get that personal loss and you're it's always in the back of your mind like is there life after death and that's that's where i was like there might there there has to be there has to be there has to be someone else responsible for all this shit on earth like there has to be someone else responsible for all this stuff. So I was, all this wacky shit happening to you. Yeah. And then I really just, I, I started, you know, looking for God and okay. uh, that's, uh, you know, kind of being able to forgive myself. And I, and I read, uh, I read some books too. And I read, um, anything that stuck out to you, the cost of discipline ship. Okay. I, I can't I can't remember the author's name, but it's the uh, the book's called The Cost of Dip- Discipline Ship, and I always felt like I was disciplined when I when I set my mind to something, uh, I get obsessed about it. So if I'm, I'm very similar, yeah. like so like when I was running marathons, I wasn't running 
to to just run. I was running to smoke some to people. win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, not to win. I those guys are fast. I, I understand, but you're you're trying to compete, man. You're trying to be yeah. in the thick. Yeah, with all the other people I knew that ran them, I was like, what was your time? Uh, right. But I was always super competitive and uh, like. Like when I finally like came to the realization that um, I, I'm I'm allowed to make mistakes and I'm I'm allowed to I'm allowed to bounce back from it and I'm allowed you know it, it doesn't make you like you know it's, when someone says the past doesn't make you it's what you do next and um, like I said I've always thought that I was that I was gonna make something of myself and and do do great things and, and I'm still young and I still have my kids and oh yeah. And it's not too late, and uh, I'm glad the bullet didn't go off now. So I finally better place finally, to be. Yeah, I finally want, finally want to be alive. Yeah, and it really has bothered people. Really, with how I with well with because uh, we have to talk about this another time. Oh, dude, we can always <laughs> we can always just save some for later. Don't you worry. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll, I got another another crazy story that's currently going on in my life, but you know. A lot of a lot of people that used to be in my life and used to be in my personal life, they're really um, when I tell the truth about like problems I had with lusting for other women because I wasn't I wasn't getting sex because um, like I said my my ex and I were just like roommates and it's like when you start to talk about personal things that you're not supposed to talk about right um, right like like your your sex life isn't supposed to be public but if you're in an argument with a woman or if you're in a fight with a woman and I learned this from the military, you need to have proof. Like you need to have proof if it's you against a woman, um, especially if sex is involved, like you need to have proof. And I have some crazy stuff going on that we'll have to save for another time, but um, hey, don't worry about it, man. We got to close out our public viewing soon. I think would be probably a good idea anyways. But, All right. um, but we, yeah, we could definitely save some for later, but I want to kind of end on, um, how do you, how do you look to, how do you look to, I guess, get to your, uh, get to your goal in life? So do you have like, do you have like, um, I guess a place that you want to get to at this point? You said, it, it looks to me like you got a new Scott Brenham. Well, no, it's the same Scott Brenham. It's just, he's actually finally happy with himself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I'm trying to, you know, make better choices and I'm trying to stick away from, I don't, I no longer drink to get drunk there. Like I still enjoy a beer, like yeah. better than, you know, a beer after work on a Friday. Like, yeah. but yeah, I'm no longer looking to medicate through alcohol or even marijuana. I, I can't smoke now anyways, but right. it's not like I've ever been a, like addicted to smoking marijuana. It's like when I joined the military, I quit smoking, obviously. Um, yeah, you had no choice. Yeah, so it's it's like it, it's a pleasantry that I like to enjoy, but I'm no longer going to use it as a coping mechanism, and it's not for that. Um, if you're gonna you know take pleasure in drinking a beer, you know don't you know, stay within your limits, um, which I never right. did before. But I, I have big goals. Uh, obviously, I, I'm I'm wanting to start my own podcast and just kind of keep it as like a journal because my, right. you know, going through therapy, they tell you to keep a journal. I hate writing. Can't write. <laughs> it's 
similar so spot. Easier just to talk to the camera uh, yeah. or talk to people like you and, and just have a uh, have a conversation, have that human connection. And um, I started a new job that I really love. Uh, I good man started a business. Uh, uh, I do like custom furniture. Uh, I've made like this desk that my my laptop sitting on. I made it. Uh, I made my dining room table. You want to show it off? We could see our people. You show your show your handiwork. Look at this. Oh wow! Hey, now that's a desk I would buy. Yeah, so like I like I did, I did that stuff just as like a hobby, and uh, I figured out like when you, I post pictures on social media, people are like, "Oh, that's really nice. Uh, can you make me one?" And I'm like, "No." Nah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, that took me a long time to do. Like I'm not looking to build it for anyone else. But now I mean, I see the money in it, and I've always right. wanted to be my own boss. Uh, it's not that I don't work well with others. It's, uh, if, uh, I don't want to be responsible for anyone else's actions after you know, all of my experiences. Right. Very, um, but now I'm working for a, a cabinetry company to uh, Kansas city custom cabinets. Cool. And it, it's like a join it. The land in there. Like they got all the cool toys. Uh, they got all the cool tools, um, but they do professional cabinets and yep. I get the, I get to sharpen new skills and I get to make new skills um, that will help my business. Of course. And the only reason I needed the job, is because I, I'm selling my house and uh, in order to buy another house, which is another main goal of mine, uh, I've always wanted a big piece of land. And Cool, man. You got a spot picked out? What are you oh, thinking? I, am, I am searching. I went and looked at a house. Are you trying to say in like in Kansas in Kansas, or where are you trying to be at? Well, I have to be in Kansas. That's uh, yeah. where my ex is and where my kids are going to be. But okay, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to stay within a reasonable distance from their school. Um, right which is in a late the uh, can just so that you can be able to be involved, man. I really, I really, yeah. um, I admire that. And I Kansas admire that a lot. is actually dope. Kansas oh, I've swung dope. through, man. I, I enjoy it. There's actually, yeah, there's actually some nice spots over there, man. Yeah. And I, I want, I'm not asking like, I'm not trying to get like a huge piece of property or anything, but I really want to buy my daughter a horse, but she is obsessed with them. Um, I would, I want to, that's an awesome place. goal. You know, I want enough land to do that. And, I'm cool, finding man. places, um, but it's hyper competitive. Right. Um, and I want to be able to renovate. Uh, well, so the house, I, like the house I'm in now, it's not old and it, it, it was moving ready and, you know, everything's done already. Um, but I want to, I want to get a place that I can put my own touches on. I can, of course, renovate the entire house and kind of put, put those new skills to work. Yeah, and I want to I want to do it with my do it with my kids. I built my kids' beds here too. Um, my, my son is very eccentric, and he wanted uh, his bed to hang from the ceiling, so I made it happen. Um, that's pretty. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> if I had a dad that did that for me, man. Whew. Yeah, his room's dope. Uh, I told him I was like, I'd love to have this room when I was growing up. Uh, yeah, that's that's my that's my goals uh, to work towards that, and then uh, just to live a life to where I'm not embarrassed about anything. And, uh, basically I'm open, I'm an open book. I plan to upload, uh, videos to YouTube and kind of just vlog my life. And, um, you ever heard the saying, uh, yeah. Or I tell my, I tell my kids this, uh, if you wouldn't do it in front of me, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, that's 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 uh, just classic. Like, do you have character? 
yeah. yeah so absolutely. and there's a lot of things that i've been i'm not proud of uh so that's that's kind of the things that will really weigh on a uh, on a man uh when you have those demons and you have things that you're not proud of um then you shouldn't be doing them yeah you shouldn't be doing it so. hey working forward from there right it's all about progress oh, man, yeah, all you can do this is a hell of an hour and a half man as enlightening as an hour and a half could be in my life dude <laughs> Uh, everybody, I hope you enjoyed Scott Brenham. I'm going to be linking all of his stuff, all of your every bit of pages that you got in my description. I hope that you guys go give it a look. He's uh, definitely an interesting character. Oh, yeah. Open book now, too. So. Hey, man, it was awesome having you. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Sal. I'm going to make all these bitches say, damn, I wish I were to fucking say, I want to be something, not nothing. Trapped inside my dream and I'm running, running away from these demons, but the feeling's so good I'ma keep dreaming.